Our text is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning in verse 3 and going all the way down through verse 14. Um, I think it is interesting to note that in the original language, this entire section that I will read to you this morning is one sentence. So one continuous thought with lots of different, very important ideas about the goodness and the greatness of God. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one, in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God to the people of God. Sunnybrook, great to be with you guys this morning. My name is Brandon Reitz. I help lead a college ministry here at OSU called Stumo. Uh, my wife and I moved here in 2006 to start Stumo, and we shortly after committed and plugged into Sunnybrook as our church. And we have just loved being a part of this body. I need you to know I don't, I don't work here. I'm not on staff with Sunnybrook, but we love Sunnybrook. It's been our home for 15 years and we're just so grateful as I look out and see so many faces I know and appreciate. We're so grateful to be here. And we've taught our kids this. We've taught our kids the importance of the church. I've loved this series. It's been amazing. If you're a parent, you know that having kids is both awesome and hilarious because kids do really funny things. My youngest daughter, when she was, when she was younger, she used to start every name with Otha. Oh, so for years, I was Oh, the daddy. My wife was, oh, the mama. My kids were, oh, the Rai and oh, the Mason. But she didn't just do this with our family. She actually did this with anybody she met. So if we had you in my home and I was introducing you to my kids, I would say, hey, Kaylee, this is, this is Jim. And she would go, oh, the Jim. And people would be like, why, why is she saying like that? She was just really excited. She also used to announce everything she did in the third person as she was doing it. So if she was jumping, she would say, Kaylee is jumping. 
And, you know, yeah, good job. If she was spinning, Kaylee is spinning. We were on a car trip one time, and she was getting out of the car and tripped and fell out of the car. And I go over, I was like, Kaylee, are you okay? And she goes, Kaylee fell out of the car. Like, yeah, you did. You're, you're fine. She would also commentate on anything that you were doing while you were doing it. So it was like having a sports announcer in your home broadcasting to a non-existent audience everything that was going on. So if I picked up something and was taking it to the trash, Kaylee would come over and she'd say, oh, the daddy picked that up? And then I would walk and she goes, oh, the daddy walked that to the trash can? And then I'd put it in the trash can, oh, the daddy put that in the trash can. And you'd be expecting an applause, no applause, just here's what's happening. Here's what you need to know. Just over 10 years ago, I took my wife, Kimber, on a date at Da Vinci's. Carbalicious over there at Da Vinci's, so good. And as we're sitting and eating, my wife looks at me and she goes, hey, I would like to talk to you about something I've been praying about. Now, I don't know how that would vibe in your marriage. In my marriage, typically when she says that, that means I've done something wrong, and she's been praying about confronting me, and now seems as good a time as any. Thankfully, this date, that wasn't it. She actually had something really exciting. And she looks at me and she says, I think we need to adopt Kaylee. And I said, that sounds great. Who's Kaylee? And Kaylee goes, well, that's my cousin Eddie. You heard that right, cousin Eddie. It's my cousin Eddie's girlfriend's daughter. Well, we had been talking about adoption for a few years, but we hadn't talked about it in probably a year. And so this was a little out of the blue, but I just said, babe, I'm in. Let's do it. And so we got Kaylee when she was about one years old, and we fostered her for a year. And then at age two, we adopted her. Now, here's what you may not know about adoption. Adoption is unique. It's amazing. When we adopted Kaylee, Kaylee got a new name. Her name was Kaylee Love, and it became Kaylee Hope Reitz. We gave her the middle name Hope because Kaylee, we don't know where she was going to go, to an orphanage, her foster family that she was at got sick and she couldn't be in that foster home, but Kaylee had no hope. She had no future. She had no family. And then when we got to adopt her, she had hope. And we pray that that hope one day will be hope in Jesus. Kaylee Hope Reitz, she got a new name. She also got a new social security number. When a person gets adopted into a new family, Kaylee had a social security number, and then when we adopted her at age two, she got a new social security number. Here might be the most fascinating of all. She got a new birth certificate. Before we adopted, I didn't know that this was a reality, but she got a new birth certificate. Look at this. I actually have a picture of it. This was her birth certificate once we adopted her. Now, I want to zoom in. April 16th, 2010, that's her birthday. It's not her adoption day, it's her birthday. But look at what it says for mother's name. Kimber Lee Sorensen. It's my wife, Kimber, middle name Lee. I'll give you a second. Pretty cool, huh? Father's name, Brandon Michael Reitz. Her birth certificate has Kimber and I as her mother and her father. It's not an adoption birth certificate. This is her actual birth certificate. New name, new social security number, new birth certificate, new identity. Kaylee became literally a new person, a totally new person. Does that sound familiar? 
It should. It should sound incredibly familiar if you're in the family of God. We've been doing this church series called The Church, and we're talking through all these pictures of the way the New Testament describes the church. And this morning is the family of God. Kaylee got introduced, adopted into a new family. If you are a follower of Jesus in here, that is true of you on a much bigger scale. If you have your Bibles, open to Ephesians 1. Jim read it, and it's going to be on the screen as well. But look at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start at the end of verse 4, because it actually goes right into verse 5. But look at what it says, Ephesians 1, 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Now, some of you are already stuck because you see that word predestined. You're like, oh my goodness, are we talking about predestination? Well, kind of. What does that mean, predestined for adoption? Well, I want you to jump back to verse 4. Look at what verse 4 says. Verse 4 says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Here's what that means, that if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, it means that you have been adopted into a new family and that God chose you. Before the creation of the world, God chose you. Before you had done anything or before you have been anything for God, he chose you. There was nothing you did to earn his choosing. There was nothing you did to earn his love. He didn't look out into America and say, oh wow, look at that person in Stillwater. I really wanna get them on my team. They'd be a great addition. No, that's not how it works. God chose you purely out of his love his grace, his mercy, his goodness, and for his glory. He chose you. Now, I want you to think about this. If you are an orphan, and whether you know this or not, at one point or another, all of us spiritually were orphans. If you're in the family of God, you've been adopted. If you're still not following Christ, you're an orphan. But in life, I want you to think of an actual orphan. That orphan doesn't choose their adoptive parents. The parents choose the child. And so if a family named the Reitzes chose to adopt you, you would become a Reitz. You would now be at Reitz family dinners with the Reitz parents and the Reitz siblings. You would share a bedroom with other Reitz kids. When you go to school and a teacher does attendance and says, Reitz, you would raise your hand. And not because you decided to play the role of a Reitz, but because the Reitz parents decided, I want you, and I'm going to adopt you. And now all of a sudden, you're a part of this new family. The Reitz parents are your parents. The Reitz siblings are your siblings. But here's the catch. You're not a Reitz. The Bible actually says, your name is Christian. Named after your adoption in Christ. The name matters. The name matters a lot. See, we celebrate two days in Kaylee's life. We celebrate April 16th because that was her birthday. But a lot of adoptive parents do this. We celebrate a second day. And the second day is this. It's her gotcha day. And we celebrate the day that we got her, that her adoption became complete. And we talk about Kaylee's adoption a lot. When we got Kaylee, we celebrated. When we 
get to, it was about, it's about a month after her actual birthday that we celebrate her gotcha day. We celebrate that day with just as much excitement. And to be honest with you, I think Kaylee gets more excited about her gotcha day. It's pretty common when we have family prayer in the evenings for Kaylee to pray something like this. God, thank you so much for putting me in this family. God, thank you so much for my mom and my dad. Thank you for Mason and Rai Rai. I thank you for my brother and sister. She's grateful. In fact, we would have people over to our home. We have people over to our home all the time. And if, when she was a little bit younger, we'd be introducing, you know, who, who's at the table. And I'd introduce Mason, and I'd introduce Rai Rai, and then I'd introduce Kaylee. And Kaylee would go, and I'm adopted. And it was funny to watch people squirm because they're like, oh, should she be, should, does she know that? Should she be talking about this? I mean, they didn't know what to do, and we're like, oh, yes, she should know this. We talk about it all the time. And it gives us this kind of this platform to talk about our adoption in Christ. But Kaylee loves it. If you are adopted into the family of God, this is how you should be. And here's what shocks me. I still, to this day, do not understand this, that some of us that call ourselves Christians, and again, remember, if you're a Christian, that means you're adopted in Christ. You're in his family. That some of us keep that secret. We'll talk about a myriad of things in our life. We'll talk about our jobs. We'll talk about our family. We'll talk about how much money we make. We'll talk about the cars we own. We'll talk about the vacations we go on. We'll talk about where we were raised. We'll talk about all kinds of things. We'll even talk about politics. But talking about my relationship with Jesus, oh, that seems too controversial. It's odd. It's incredibly odd to me that we would have this unbelievable adoption story in Christ, and yet there are people in this audience who have had coworkers and neighbors and friends for years that would be shocked to find out that the most important person in your life is Jesus. I don't get it. I just don't understand. Kaylee's adoption, which is significantly less important than our adoption in Christ, she talks about it all the time. And yet some of us, we try to pretend like, yeah, it's just kind of a part of my life. Jump down to verse seven. Here's maybe what you don't understand. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know if you know this, but adoption is not free. When we adopted Kaylee, it costs money. There's several parents in here that I know have adopted kids. It costs money. You know what it costs for your adoption in Christ? Jesus' life. He shed his blood. He died on the cross in your place for your sins so that you could be adopted into the family of God. And yet some of us don't want to talk about it. He shed his blood for you. God gave his son so that you and I could be called sons and daughters. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, the Son of God became a man for men to become children of God. I love that. I love that. Look at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the God-revealed gospel of Jesus Christ must be heard and believed. So this is, this is amazing to me. There's this unique relationship between God having to choose you 
and then us having to hear and respond to the gospel. And so God's choosing is somehow connected with us hearing and believing, and then when those two things come together, and I don't totally understand how it works, but when those things come together, all of a sudden we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament times, a seal denoted ownership. Sound familiar? Kaylee's birth certificate says that she is our child. And so that Holy Spirit, through this unique, rich relationship of God's choosing and us hearing and responding, seals, is sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then we're his child. We are owned by him. We submit to him. And if you're in God's family, then you become about the family business. Everybody has a, a note card. I want you to pull that note card out. And if you don't have one, raise your hand. You're going to need this note card. Raise your hand and the, the fit team will come through and give you one if you don't have one. Get out that note card. Honestly, don't be shy. Raise your hand if you don't have one. They'll just walk it up and give it to you. And I want you to get a pen. There should be one in the pew in front of you. If not, you can pass it down the aisle. Here's what you need to understand in Ephesians 1. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to walk away with this point. I want you to turn that card over where it says main point on the backside. And I want you to write this in big letters. God's family is about growing God's family. God's family is about growing God's family. Write that really big on the back of your card. God's family is about growing God's family. See, being a part of the family of God comes with certain responsibilities and certain opportunities. When I was in college, I went to college in, at CU in Boulder, Colorado. And I had just started following Christ when I was 18. I was very young in the faith. And this older man, he was in about his 70s, named Jerry, befriended me, which may sound weird, a 70-year-old befriending a college student, but he wanted to help me understand my adoption in Christ. And Jerry took his adoption very seriously. He understood what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so Jerry prayed and looked for opportunities always to be sharing the gospel. And it was very common as I met with Jerry, if we were sitting in a public place, that somebody would walk by and Jerry would just wave them down and they would come over. Jerry doesn't even know these people. And he would just ask them about their day and, and share the gospel really quick. It was wonderful. But here's how much it meant to him. Here's how much he understood that being a part of God's family meant that he was about growing the family. Jerry lived in a lot of different places. Remember, we're in Boulder, Colorado. And Jerry gets a phone call on a Friday. And this guy on the other line says, is this Jerry Gibson? And he goes, yeah, this is Jerry. And he goes, I don't know if you remember me, but 30 years ago, you shared the gospel with me. And I can promise you, Jerry did, didn't have a clue who this guy was. But Jerry probably kindly said, oh, yeah, yeah, Mike, right? Jerry, for the last few weeks, I just can't get Jesus off my mind, and I wanted to see if you were available to talk. And Jerry goes, Mike, where do you live? And Mike goes, I live in Missouri. He goes, what's your address? And, Jerry gives, and he gives Jerry his address, and he writes down his address. And Jerry goes, I think I can be there in about eight hours. And he hung up the phone. Jerry hopped in his minivan and drove 16 hours, eight there and eight back, just to have a conversation with Mike about being in the family of God. Jerry took this seriously. Well, Jerry's influence in my life was massive, but growing up in a in a home where I, I didn't follow Jesus until I was 18, I took my adoption seriously. 
my adoption into the family of God, this is not a hobby for me. Following Jesus shouldn't be a hobby for you. I don't follow Jesus when it's convenient. Jesus gave me a new life, a new identity. He took me from darkness to light, from death to life. He changed everything about me. And so I love getting to tell people about what God's done in my life. And so working at OSU, I I get to talk to a lot of college students. And I had been helping this guy named Tanner who just started following Jesus grow in his relationship with God. And we'd been meeting for about a year, year and a half at this time. And we were eating at Jimmy John's on the strip there. And I noticed that in Tanner's life, he had become fairly inconsistent in talking to his pledge brothers. He was a pike here about who Jesus was. And so I said, Tanner, hey, I've noticed that last year you were pretty excited to tell people about what God had done in your life, but it seems like you've become a little quiet. And he's like, yeah, you know, I just haven't got to know a lot of the pledges yet. And I was like, tell you what, Tanner, I want you to tell me three guys in the Pike House that scare you the most. And Tanner goes, three? I'll give you four. Trent, Jeff, Gabe, and the fourth is Blake. I mean, he answered in a nanosecond of these guys that intimidated him. And I go, okay, well, hey, I know those guys. Uh, Hey, you have Trent's number? And he goes, yeah. And I go, I want you to text him. And he goes, I'm not texting Trent. And I go, all right, give me your phone. And he goes, why? And I go, because I'm going to text Trent from your phone. And he goes, I'm not letting you text Trent from my phone. I was like, well, then you better text him. And he goes, well, what do you want me to say? And I go, I don't know. Just ask him to go work out with us. We'll just get to know him. We'll hang out a little bit. So he goes, okay, hey, Trent, Brandon and I wanted to know if you wanted to come work out. And Trent responds fairly quickly, and he goes, man, I wish I could. I'm studying. And I say to Tanner, I say, Tanner, I want you to text him back. Text him, it's okay to admit that you're scared. And Tanner goes, Brandon, I'm not texting that. I was like, all right, give me your phone. And he goes, I'm not giving you my phone. I go, well, then tell him Brandon says you're scared. And he goes, okay, I guess I'll text that. Brandon says, it's okay to admit that you're scared. Trent responds very quickly with some choice words that I will not share from the stage. And so I said, all right, cool, dude, let's go get in my car. And Tanner goes, why, what are we gonna do? And I go, we're going to pick up Trent. And he goes, he just said he can't. And I go, Tanner, do you really think he's studying? And he goes, probably not. And I go, he said he's at the house, let's go get him. So we go to the Pike House, and I know where Trent lives, and uh, I'm just kind of of the position of, if I know a guy's there, I'm just not going to knock. So I just bust in Trent's room. Do you think he was studying? No. He was playing video games. And so I bust in there, I'm like, Trent, I thought you were studying. And he goes, I'm I'm allowed to take a break. And I was like, a break from video games or a break from studying? I'm confused. And he goes, dude, I really can't go. I was like, hey, Trent, it's fine. If you're scared to come work out with Tanner and I, and for the record, Trent is about 6'4", I don't know, 220. He's clearly not scared to come and work out. But I've learned that if you call a man out, he'll typically do what you want. So I was like, dude, if you're scared, you can just admit it. And he goes, I'm not scared of you. And I was like, well, prove it, dude. Let's go lift. And he goes, fine. What are we lifting? I go, Trent, you can choose. What do you think he chose? Chest. Sounds good. Trent, let's go lift. So we go to the gym, and we're working out, and while we're working out, I have Tanner share his testimony with Trent. And Trent responded very positively. He goes, wow, Tanner, I've known you for like a year, and I've never heard this before. Ticked me off. I go, hey, Trent, we're going to grab lunch tomorrow. Let's grab lunch. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about this. And Trent goes, man, I'd love that. So we go to Qdoba right here in town, and Trent and I have lunch, and Tanner's there. And while we're at lunch at Qdoba, I get to walk Trent through the gospel, what it looks like for him to be separated from God and the the reality that he has no hope in himself. 
and that Jesus lived a life he never could and he died in his place for his sins and he rose again and he's offering Trent a new life. But Trent has to respond. And then I ask Trent the most important question that one human can ask another human. I said, Trent, do you want to place your trust in Christ today? Okay, this is number one scary guy on the list. And Trent, emotionally, says, I do. I grew up in church and I have wandered away from God. I really do. And so right there at Qdoba, Trent, Tanner, and I bow our heads and Trent gives his life to Christ. Well, two days later, I'm driving up to the Pike house to pick up Tanner, and guess who's in the Pike parking lot? Jeff. Now, I need to explain Jeff. Jeff is my height from the floor. Okay, if you can, I'm short. Jeff is not. Jeff is about 6'6", I don't know, 280, and he's not fat. Well, I go to the parking lot, and I'm like, hey, Jeff, can you see if Tanner's in there? And Jeff goes, yeah, sure. And Jeff walks into the pike house and he goes, hey, Tanner, your dad's here. <laughs> so Tanner gets in the car, he goes, Jeff called you my dad. And I was like, what? Not your dad? So we go, I'm going to work out with Tanner, and so when we're at the gym, guess who shows up? Jeff. So I go, Tanner, dude, watch this, come here. So we walk up to Jeff. Jeff is benching, I don't know, 500 pounds or something, way too much. Uh, and I go, to, I was like, hey, your name's Jeff, right? I saw you in the parking lot. And he goes, yeah. And I go, are you a freshman? Okay, Jeff was a senior. Jeff was the president of the Pike House. I knew all of this. And Jeff looked like he was 35. Does not look like he's a freshman. Jeff, are you a freshman? He's like, no, I'm not a freshman. I was like, oh, my bad, man. Are you a senior in high school, like visiting your older brother or something? And he goes, no, I'm a senior. I'm the president of the Pike House. And I was like, oh, I knew that, man. I'm just messing with you. But how did you think I was his dad? <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. Your windows are tinted. Nice try. My windows are not tinted. They're not tinted at all. But we talked to Jeff for a minute, and I was like, hey, man, Tanner and I are actually getting some lunches with some guys just to talk to him about faith and just to talk to him about life. Hey, how about we get lunch? And he goes, yeah, I'd actually like that. So I take Jeff to Slim Chickens right here in town. Tanner couldn't come, so it's just me and Jeff. And so same thing. I'm sitting there at Slim Chickens sharing a meal with Jeff, and I get to share the gospel with him. And I'm talking to Jeff about how his sin is separating him from God and that Jesus died in his place for his sins and lived the life he never could and rose again and is offering him this new life. And then I ask Jeff the most important question that one human can ask another human. Jeff, do you want to place your trust in Christ today? Jeff starts to cry. I was a little uncomfortable. He's a very large, large human, and I'm not, and I have this big guy crying. And through tears in his eyes, Jeff says, Brandon, I know that I've needed to give my life to Jesus for a long time. But I've just been scared. I was like, what are you scared about? He goes, well, I've got this girlfriend, and I just don't know what she'd think about it. And we, we've actually talked about it, but I just, I just don't know. And I go, Jeff, have you ever thought about the reality that maybe, maybe you don't need to think about her and you need to give your life to Christ, and maybe by you following Christ, it could influence her? And he goes, no, I've never really thought about that. I go, Jeff, who would hold you back from doing it right now? And he goes, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I know I need to do this. And so right there at Slim Chickens, Jeff prays, and he gives his life to Christ. Fast forward three days. 
Okay, so we're still in under a week from Tanner sharing with me the most intimidating guys in Pike. Stumo runs a summer project called Kaleo. It's a nine-week discipleship and uh, leadership training project in Florida. And guess who applies? Gabe. Number three on the list. So I call Gabe. I set up. You have to go through an interview to go to Kaleo. So I set up this meeting with Gabe, and we meet at Fuzzy's. And I go, hey, Tanner, you'll never guess who I'm meeting with today to do a Kaleo interview. And he goes, who? And I go, Gabe. Gabe's name is Gabe Littlefield. He is anything but little. He's about the same size as Jeff, uh, had done some bodybuilding competitions. He's a large, large human as well. We sit down at Fuzzy, and I go, hey, Gabe, so why did you apply for a Kaleo? And he goes, man, there's this cute girl in my class, and she was talking about it. thought it sounded fun. It's like, yeah, okay. We're not doing the interview. We're going to actually talk about something else, and we're going to talk about the gospel. As I'm sharing with Gabe who Jesus is, Gabe starts to cry. This is two out of the four guys crying. And Gabe tells me how he got kicked out of college, out of OSU earlier, I think it was his freshman year, and he had to take a year off. And then he came back, and Gabe, just a month prior to this, almost got the entire Pike house kicked off campus because another fraternity said some bad things about Pike, and so Gabe thought it was good for him to go over and beat a couple of them up. And he broke one of their jaws and almost got the entire house kicked off. And here this guy is, a month later, meeting with me, and he's crying about who Jesus is. And I ask Gabe the most important question one human can ask another. Gabe, would you like to give your life? Would you like to place your trust in Christ today? And Gabe says this. My mom has been talking to me about trying to go back to church, but I haven't listened. My life is a total mess. And everything you're telling me makes me feel like I might be able to have a life again. Yeah, I do want to give my life to Christ. And so right there at Fuzzy's, Gabe prays to receive Christ. He gives his life to Jesus. When he gets done praying, he opens his eyes, and we're fired up. I'm giving him high fives, and he goes, Brandon, you'll never guess what today is. And I go, what is it? And he goes, it's my birthday. And he says through tears again, I couldn't think of a better gift than what I just received. Three out of the four scary guys all gave their lives to Christ within a week because Tanner and I started to pray and ask God to give us opportunities and to soften these guys' hearts. Trent, shortly after he professed faith, went into the military. I didn't see him for four years. I thought he just disappeared. I went to the Colvin about a year and a half, two years ago, and guess who's working at the Colvin? It's Trent. And I go, Trent, man, I haven't seen you forever. Where'd you go? And he said, I went to the military. And I go, well, how, how's life? And he goes, well, I'm married. We're plugged into a church. God's really been moving in my life. Trent had continued to walk with Jesus. We did a Bible study with these guys for about the next, I don't know, six to 12 months. And then several of them graduated. Jeff moved down to Florida. And he was living in Panama City Beach. He and his wife plugged into a church. And Jeff started to lead, lead an evangelism class in his church, teaching people how to share the gospel. Gabe... Gabe got plugged into some churches here in the area, was plugged into Stumo, our ministry, and we started to meet. And Gabe just got married, gosh, I think just over a year ago. Gabe has done a two-year residency at a church in Oklahoma City called Frontline. And Gabe, every once in a while, will shoot me a text and say, hey, man, I just invited another, another brother into the family. I'm actually baptizing him this weekend. 
These guys didn't just profess faith and then nothing happened. God started to tremendously use them because they were surrendered to him. They understood that God's family is about growing God's family. Well, as Gabe and I met that next year, a new freshman pike class came through. And there was this young guy, this freshman guy from Texas, thought he was all that, I'm from Texas, I'm big. His name was Jack. And so Gabe and I befriend Jack. And we start to work out with Jack, and we start to go to lunches with Jack, and we start to talk through the gospel with Jack. And Jack really started to show some interest in what it could look like for him to follow Christ. But for whatever reason, Jack decided, no, I don't want it. And so for the next two years, Jack decided to live his life the way he thought best. I would see Jack from time to time, but we kind of lost touch. Just over two years ago, I go into the Colvin, and guess who's working at the Colvin? It's Jack. And I'm like, Jack, good to see you, man. How you doing? And one thing I appreciate about Jack is Jack doesn't blow smoke. Jack's just honest. I'm excited to see Jack. I give him a dap. I give him a hug. I'm like, how you doing, man? And he goes, honestly? He goes, I'm probably in the lowest point of my life. The last few weeks have been horrendous for me. And I just don't know what to do. I was like, well, Jack, pretty interesting that we're seeing each other again. And Jack goes, would you be willing to talk? I go, absolutely. And so for the next two months, Jack and I meet. We get lunches, we work out, and we're talking through what it could look like for him to be a part of God's family, to place his trust in Christ and start to follow him. Jack calls me Easter weekend, and he goes, Brandon, you'll never guess what I did last night. I was like, you didn't kill somebody, did you? Last night, late, I've just been thinking about everything we've been talking about. And I just know I needed to give my life to Christ. And so I placed my trust in Christ last night. Two and a half years ago, Jack was lost. He was struggling. He was not a part of the family of God. Jack became a member of our family, Sunnybrook, this spring. Jack got baptized in our church this spring. Jack is now doing the residency at Sunnybrook that just started about a month ago. Jack and I got to go to Kaleo this summer, our summer training project, and we were in a new place. We're in Orlando, Florida. We're usually in PCB. And a bunch of guys wanted to get their hair cut. Technically, they wanted to get mullets. And so I was like, well, I'll find a barber. So I go, and I'm looking online, and I'm finding all these places, and I found a place that looked pretty legit on Yelp, and I roll in, and this guy named Raul cuts my hair and did a phenomenal job, and I got to share my testimony with Raul as he's cutting my hair. So I go back to our project, and I share with everybody about this guy, Raul. I was like, hey, you guys got to go get your hair cut by Raul. Great guy. Probably 15 to 20 guys get their hair cut by Raul. I mean, Raul was like, what is happening? All these guys coming in, getting mullets. They're all talking to me about God. This is weird. And so I keep up a relationship with Raul, and it's about halfway through the summer, and I'm like, man, it was hard to talk to Raul too much when he's cutting hair. And so I was like, hey, why don't, we get, why don't we get lunch? So I take Raul to Tropical Smoothie there in Orlando, Florida. And same thing. I get to talk to Raul about who Jesus is and what he's done in his life. And I ask Raul the most important question that one human can ask another. Raul, do you want to place your trust in Christ today? And here's what Raul said. I wrote it down because it, it just impacted me. He said, Brandon, I have known I need to give my life to Jesus 
and I've known how much I needed him. I just haven't known how or have had anyone to help me figure it out. Do you know how many people in your life might be exactly where Raul is? They know. They know they need to do something with God. They know they need to do something with this man, Jesus. But they don't have anybody to ask questions to. They don't have anybody that will walk them through what it's looked like in their life for God to do amazing things in their heart. Well, Raul says, yes, I want to. And so Raul prays. Raul and I started a Bible reading program together. And this is day two of his Bible reading program with us. And he said this. This guy's been a member of God's family for 48 hours. Raul says, God is the only one that can take a broken individual like me and create something new that best suits his ultimate plan. Is that not amazing? Raul is now part of the family of God. For the record, I share the gospel with a lot of people that say no. I don't want you to think that everybody I share with starts to cry and comes to Christ. Uh, sometimes I leave those appointments crying. Uh, there's a lot of people that say no. Actually, more often they say no than yes. In fact, last week I was sharing the gospel with a guy named Hank. And Hank said no. He doesn't have any interest in it. He doesn't believe it. He actually said, man, I don't believe in objective truth. How can you tell me that one way is better than another? We had a good conversation. But Hank said he's open to talking again, and I hope. I'm praying for Hank. I'm praying that Hank would become a part of our family too. But Hank said no. God's family is about growing God's family. Are you in the family? Are you inviting others into the family? The day Kaylee got adopted was a glorious day. It was a day we celebrated, and I'm thankful we took a video that I want to show you guys really quick. Check out this video. To you, happy adoption. To you, happy adoption, dear Kaylee. Happy adoption to you. Steve, if you need somebody to lead worship, I'm available. <laughs> this is how we should be with our adoption. When we realize we're a part of the family of God, we should, we should dance. I don't know if you heard at the end, but she said, more? I know she meant more singing, but I like to think she kind of means, like, more? Can we, can we invite more into the family? And here's the amazing news, that if you're a follower of Jesus, the answer is yes. In fact, I'd say the answer is expected that you invite more into the family. I want you to get those cards out again. And so on the front of the card, it says certificate of birth, and we're gonna do our reflection time a little differently this morning. Instead of you doing it on your own, I'm actually gonna walk you through kind of our time. But if you're in the family of God, I want you to fill this out. I want you to put your name there. And I want you to put the date of your rebirth. And now you may not remember the exact day and the exact time, but I guarantee you if you're adopted in the family of God, you know a, a season. Hey, maybe it was the fall of 2001. Maybe it was the summer of 1969. I don't know where it is, but you know. You know the season. I want you to fill it out. Write your name. 
write the approximate time that you became reborn. If you don't have a date, you know what would be an amazing birthday? September 12th, 2021. I want you to write down another name, maybe at the bottom of that front. And maybe it's more than one name. But who is the person? Or maybe it's the persons that invited you into the family of God. Who was it that shared the gospel with you? Who was it that invited you to be a part of God's family and you responded? I want you to write down their name. And I want to encourage you to call them this week. And just to thank them. Hey, on Sunday I was reminded of how amazing it is to be a part of the family of God. And I'm a part of the family of God because of you. Or because of you. And I just want to say thank you. Is there anything I could be praying for you? The last thing I want you to write down, and maybe you can do it on the back side where it says main point and you've written down, God's family is about growing God's family. I want you to write down three names. I want you to write down three names of people you know currently are not in the family of God. Three people, as Jim talked last week, are harassed and helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. I want you to write down three names, and I'm going to give you a second. And here's the deal. If you don't have three people in your life that you don't know are following Christ, you need to meet more lost people. You need to put, your pl- put yourself in places and situations where you can befriend more lost people. But write down three names. And here's what I want you to commit to. I want you to commit to praying for those names for the next seven days. Pray that God would open up their heart to the truth. Pray that God would give you an opportunity and that you'd take the opportunity to invite them into the family of God. Pray that God would convict them of sin and show them their need for a savior. And then the last thing I want you to do, I intentionally asked for these cards to be small. I want to ask you to make this your bookmark in your Bible, or maybe to put it on the visor of your car. Put it somewhere you're going to see it daily. You could put it on the top of your toilet. I don't care where you put it, but put it somewhere that you're going to see it on a daily basis, because this is what it's about to be in the family of God, that we recognize the radical transformation that he's done in our heart and life, and that he's inviting us to invite others into the family of God. Amen? God, thank you so much for your unbelievable, unfathomable love for us. God, I thank you for those of us that are followers of yours, that you chose us and that you adopted us into your family. It's still hard for me to comprehend. God, help us take very seriously the reality that we're in your family and help us invite others. Pray this in your name.